Well, how's everybody doing today? Are you having a good time so far? You glad to be at church? Come on, I said, are you glad to be at church? That's right. That's right. Well, we're starting a brand new series. I want to welcome you here today. Uh, we're starting a series, as you can see, called Misdirection. And I believe this is going to be an encouragement to you over the next four weeks. Before we do that, I uh, just want to remind you this week, don't forget about iGroups. Uh, we have those every Thursday evening. We believe that it's important for you to be in community with other people. Do you believe that? We, we're not meant to do life alone. However, a lot of times, if, if you're uh, a person that likes to be alone, sometimes you, you prefer that. But I believe that there needs to be some people in your life, remember we said this before, that when you fall, I didn't say if, I said when something happens in your life, when you fall, when something tragic happens to you or to a family member or something, that you have some people around you that can pick you up. In Ecclesiastes, it says that pity the man who falls and doesn't have anybody to pick him up. We don't want you to not have anybody to pick you up. We want to be in community together and in relationship with each other. So don't forget about that. And one more thing before we get into the message today. We are doing a thing this year, uh, Thanksgiving Baskets. And what we're going to do is we're going to uh, bless 10 families in our community this Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day with a Thanksgiving basket to where they have uh, a turkey and, and just everything that goes with it. So everything you would think you're going to eat at Thanksgiving, come on, can I get a good amen about Thanksgiving dinner? Everything that you're going to eat at Thanksgiving, we're going to put all that in a basket and we're going to deliver those on Thanksgiving Day. They're going to be delivered to families in need. With that being said, we want, uh, we want to ask you to, to partner with us and be a part of that. And so over at Impact Central today, if you, uh, if you feel led to do that, stop by over there and there's some different items that you can sign up to bring, uh, amounts of different things that you can sign up to bring. And we'll need all of those turned in two weeks from today on the 19th so that we can get those prepared. And then uh, our serve days for the end of the year, we're focusing on two things because we don't want to overwhelm everybody. Everybody's got holiday traveling and stuff going on. But on the 21st of November, we're going to be meeting together uh, and serving together and putting those baskets together for those families so they can be delivered. And then we don't want you to forget about Spirit of Giving coming up on December the 16th so that you can be present and serve with us on that day, all right? So all of that being said, now that we got all of that out of the way, I want to give you the big idea for this series up front this morning, uh, kind of where this, where this came from. I've heard this saying multiple times, and maybe you've heard it before. It says, a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from other people's mistakes. A smart man will learn. If I'm smart, I'll learn from my mistakes. If I make a mistake, I'll learn from it, and I'll pick myself up, and I will uh, do it differently next time. Come on, somebody. But a wise man will learn from other people's mistakes. So I see something that somebody else did that was a mistake, and that didn't work out so well for them, and so I don't think I'm going to do that. That's being wise. And so for the next four weeks, here's where we're going. We're going to be looking at specific characters in the Bible and, and stories in the Bible and learning from the mistakes that they made so hopefully we can help ourselves avoid some mistakes in our own lives. Now some of these, as we go through these over the next four weeks, there are going to be some of these that you probably already made this mistake and you're going to think, oh, it's too late for me. I'm too far gone in that. That's not, that's, that's not the goal in this. If you've never made one of these mistakes, then you're the perfect person, and you're awesome, and we need to talk later so that I can figure out how to be perfect like you. Come on, somebody. So we're going to be talking about things that you've probably made the mistake before, but we're going to hopefully be able to avoid it and, and, and be encouraged and live better in the future, all right? So that's where we're going in this. Now, 
as I was thinking about this message today, uh, here recently we've we when we ask our kids, our own personal kids, what we ask them to do something, and we'll say, you know, go pick up the the playroom. Can you pick up the living room? You need to go pick up your bedroom. Come on, if you if you have kids, how many times do you tell them go pick up your room? Go pick up your room. Go pick up your room. And and here's a lot of the response that we've been getting here lately. Apparently we're going through this phase. I don't know. And those of you that have older kids, you can tell me if this phase ever ends. I don't know if it does. But we're getting the response, well, I didn't make that mess. <laughs> or here here's here's one. Well, I didn't put those clothes there. <laughs> oh, oh, some Oh, dear Lord Jesus. And if you're if you're a parent in the room, seriously, you can probably guess ahead of time what our main response is when we get that back from our kids, when we ask them to do something and to help out around the house, and we get that response back. Here's what we say a lot of times. Well, we pick up messes that we don't make all the time. All the time. You don't realize when you go to bed and all that stuff that you left out and in the morning it's all put back where it was supposed to be. You know, there wasn't some magical elf that showed up at the house and put everything back in its place, that was mom and dad. And we pick up stuff all the time and messes that we did not make. And there have also been these times when we've asked our kids to pick up their rooms, and and we get this response sometimes. Well, I don't want to. (laughs) Or this is is one of my favorites. It's just too hard. There's too much stuff to pick up. (laughs) It's, it's, It's just too hard. There's too much stuff to pick up. And my response to that would be, well, I wonder who put all of that stuff in the floor and under the bed and all in the closet and everywhere else. It's just too hard. There's too much stuff to pick up. And we're going through this this phase also of this blaming and this tattling stage uh, where, well, you know, one of our, our youngest son, his name is Camden. Well, Camden, he pushed me, and that's why I made that mess. And so <laughs> I shouldn't have to pick it up. Or... I didn't even want to play with those toys, but they made me, and so I shouldn't have to pick them up. And we'll even hear this. This is for real. This is a true story. We'll hear from the other room. We'll hear our youngest boy. He's about to be four next month. And we'll hear him, and there'll be some kind of, you know, conflict going on between the kids. And we'll hear him in the other room, and he'll say, I'm telling on (laughs) y'all. And sure enough, here come the little feet, you know, through the house (laughs) to come tattle or tell on uh, on his siblings. And about a year or so ago, my wife was hanging out with a friend, and she gave her this great idea that she used with her kids. And so maybe this will help you out. This is all free, by the way, <laughs> what I'm talking about right now. Maybe this will help you out. But she, she, she said, what I do when my kids come to me and they're tattling on somebody else, I immediately stop them, and I tell them, you need to tell me what you did first. And so a kid is running, you know, it's like, oh, Hadley did this, Hadley. Okay, well, let's stop. Okay, Hadley did that, but what did you do first? What is your what is your slice of the pie in this scenario? So what did you do that may have caused her to do that, or what is your part that you played in this? And we love this so much that we started using this on our own kids. We did. We just learned from somebody else and and. Maybe they had made the mistake a bunch of times like we had, and so we just started, we just started asking our kids whenever they come to us and they're going to tattle on somebody, well, what did, what did you do first? What was your part? Did, what part did you play in that situation? And we thought this was a great idea, and why we thought this was a great idea is for this reason. 
it shifts the focus from blame to responsibility. It shifts the focus from blame to responsibility, doesn't it? If you're going to tell on somebody, come on, if you're at work and you, got, and you go to your boss and you're about to tell on somebody else and they ask, well, what have you been doing lately? What, what part did you play? Well, you're, compl- like, you're complaining about them being lazy, but what, you know, have you been, have you been lazy here lately? It immediately shifts the focus from blaming somebody else to having to take responsibility for what you've done and the part that you've played in whatever that situation is. No longer are they focusing on what someone else has done to them, but they're taking responsibility for their own actions. And so for the next few moments today, I want to talk to you on this subject. Come on, I need you to, I need you to, to punch your neighbor in the arm or something and tell them, make the shift. Make the shift. We're going to talk about making, making the shift. And there's a story in the Bible, it's in the book of Genesis that you might be familiar with that illustrates this point perfectly, I believe. So we're going to read about 12 verses and then we're going to talk about it today. But this is Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, The serpent was more clever than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. The serpent said to the woman, Did God really say... You must not eat the fruit of any tree that is in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We can eat the fruit of the trees that are in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Do not even touch it or you will die. Now let me pause here for just a minute. This is exactly what the enemy will do. <laughs> because he'll come to you and he won't, he'll just, ask, he just put a little thought in your mind. Well, did God really tell you to do that? Because if God told you to do that, it wouldn't be this hard. Well, did God really tell you, well, did God really, you know, has God really got you here? Did he really call you to that? Did he really tell you to do that? Did he really ask you to do that? And that's exactly what he was doing with Eve. He wasn't saying, you know what, he's just twisting God's words just enough to try to confuse us and make us question, well, did God really say what I thought he said? Verse 4, you can be sure that you won't die, the serpent said to the woman. God knows that when you eat the fruit of that tree, you will know things you have never known before. You will be able to tell the difference between good and evil. You will be like God. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good to eat. It was also pleasing to look at, and it, was, and it would make a person wise. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then both of them knew things they had never known before. They realized they were naked, they sewed, they, so they sewed fig leaves together and made clothes for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. It was the coolest time of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? He asked. I heard you in the garden, the man answered. I was afraid, I was naked, so I hid. The Lord God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten the fruit of the tree I commanded you not to eat? The man said, it was the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. There were two things, and we're going to go here for just a minute, and then I'm going to give you some, some other good tidbits this morning. There were two things, two opportunities that Adam had to do something, and he failed at both of them. There were two mistakes that Adam made, two opportunities he had to lead, or to take responsibility, 
and he failed at both of them. And let me point them out to you just off of what we just read. The first mistake he made was when Eve gave in to the temptation from the enemy and ate the forbidden fruit. Now, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this question. I've talked about this with some other people in our church because I find this intriguing. And most of the time we read right over this part. Because we're, more con- we're, we're consumed with the story and, and getting through the story and getting the, you know, the point of the story and all of this. But have you ever asked yourself, while Eve was being tempted and giving in to temptation, where was Adam? Where was Adam at? Because we just read where Adam was. It says that Eve gave in and she ate the fruit. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her. So you're standing right next to your wife. And the enemy is tempting her and coming against her. And Adam stands here and lets the enemy keep on talking and tempting his wife, watches his wife give in. And then takes the fruit from her that she turns around and gives to him and eats it. Now, I don't know if maybe it was because she was naked and he was distracted. That might be a possibility. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know what the reason is. But he's standing right beside... Some of y'all aren't going to hear anything I say the rest of the morning. He's standing right beside... Eve, while she's being tempted and while she's giving in, he's right there beside her. And even though he was with her, he doesn't speak up. He doesn't try to stop her. He doesn't try to correct it. He doesn't tell the enemy like we sang this morning, not today. He doesn't try to, he doesn't try to do anything. He stands there and watches his wife be tempted and give in to temptation So I would say that's the first mistake that he made. He didn't do anything about it. He stood there. Instead of leading his wife away from sin, he ate the fruit too. Now here's the second thing, the second mistake that Adam made. After eating the fruit, God asks Adam a question. And God is asking Adam not because God doesn't know, but because he wants to hear Adam's response. He asks about what happened. What, where are you at? And then Adam, you know, reveals himself or whatever. And he said, well, who, who told you this? Why, how did this happen? Give me the details. And in verse 12, let's look at it again. <laughs> this, is, this is crazy to me. The man said, it was the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now, some of y'all are looking at me like, boy, I can't believe Adam would say that. Can I tell you, we do this all the time. (laughs) All the time. It was the woman, well, what, Adam, what happened? How did you figure all this out? Why did you eat that? What happened? Hey, listen, God, it was the woman that you put with me. The woman that you gave me. She gave me the fruit, and I ate it. The person that you made my partner gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And so instead of taking responsibility and leading in his family, Adam decides that he's going to blame God and 
the person who tempted him. Does that sound a little bit more familiar to you now? (laughs) Instead of taking responsibility, he decides, I'm going to blame God in the moment. What, what, Adam, what happened? Well, let me tell you. It was the woman you put here. I don't know why you even gave her to me. I don't know why you even made it. Like, I don't need her. She's the one who gave me the fruit, and he's putting all the blame on God and on Eve. All of the blame. Maybe you've never thought about it this way, but I want you to, to write this down if you can. I believe we have this on the screen. Rebelling against God, thinking we know better than God, and rejecting the role of responsibility God has given to us is actually a choice to live as our own God. Well, that's so good, I'm going to read that again. Rebelling against God, thinking we know better than God, and rejecting the role of responsibility that God has given to us is actually a choice to live as our own God. I can figure this out. I got this. If something bad happens, I'll just, you know, just pass it off over here. Well, it was really their fault. Really wasn't my, you know, wasn't anything. Well, I really wasn't even supposed to be doing that anyway. And I was just doing it to be, you know, a good employee, just being it, doing it to be a good spouse. But, you know, it didn't turn out right. So it's really their fault because they didn't take care of what they were supposed to take care of. So I'm not the one to blame. I'm not the one to blame. And what Adam did, here's what you need to know this morning. Adam, Adam's responses were passive, prideful responses. The fact that he did nothing to stop the enemy from tempting his wife or correcting the issue was him being passive. And I'm too prideful to take responsibility for what I did and my part of it. And so I'm going to blame God and I'm going to blame the other person. He was passive and prideful. So Adam had two opportunities to take responsibility for what God had given him, but instead he chose to be passive and cast blame. Boy, it's quiet in here. I don't know why y'all are so quiet. <laughs> this, this is what, maybe you remember President Harry Truman from back in the day. I was not born, and most of you probably were not either. But I found this interesting when I found this, preparing for this message, that of course, he had to make several tough decisions for our nation. Uh, you know, the Hiroshima thing and all this other stuff. And he saw the country through the end of World War II, which, man, I can't even imagine being the leader of a country when the country's at war. I mean, like, even even right now. I mean, we're not going to get political in here, but I just can't imagine the weight of that. But he, lead, you know, he sees the, the country through World War II, And he initiates these programs for rebuilding Europe and stuff after the war. But what many people don't know that I found interesting is that on his desk, in his office, he had this custom wooden sign that read this right here. And I know this isn't wooden, but most of us have heard this phrase before. But on his desk, he had this wooden sign that said, the buck stops here. And it it refers to... This idea of passing the buck. Maybe you've heard it that way. Well, I'll just pass, you know, well, if you're, if, 
okay, well, it really wasn't your fault. Just pass, just pass it off over here. Pass the buck off over here and, and let them have to deal with it. Let them have to deal with the, the boss. Let them have to deal with the consequences. Let them have to deal with it because it's really their fault anyway. And so we're just going to pass it off to somebody else. But I found it intriguing that he had this sign that says the buck stops here. The buck stops here. And he referenced this motto in his farewell speech as I was studying this in 1953 when he said this statement. The president has to decide decide he can't pass the buck anymore. The president has to decide he can't pass the buck anymore. And I'm wondering this morning, I'm just curious, if we have any buck stops here believers at church. Do we have any people who live by the motto, the buck stops here? The buck stops right here. I'm not going to pass it off to somebody else. I'm not going to blame anybody else for what's going on. But the buck stops here. I'm wondering if we have anyone who will reject pride and passivity and accept responsibility. It's not the popular thing to do. I'm going to take responsibility for the way my kids are being raised. Mm. I'm going to take responsibility for the well-being of my spouse. I'm going to take responsibility for the finances that God has given me. I'm going to take responsibility for the spiritual temperature of my home. Come on, somebody. Can I get a better amen than that? I'm going to take responsibility for the condition of my personal relationship with Jesus. I'm taking responsibility. This is my family. This is my relationship with Jesus. This is my finances that he's given me to steward. And I'm taking responsibility for it. Come on, do we have anybody who is the buck stops here believer at church today? Because this is where I'm telling you, I'm telling you this is where it's at. And this is a game changer. If we can get this and we can learn this, this will change everything. 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 Your relationships, how you raise your kids, how you treat your spouse, how you work at your job. This will change it all if we can get this right here. I'm going to take responsibility for all of my non-Christian coworkers. I'm going to take responsibility for the things that God has given me. No more blaming my parents for where I'm at. No more blaming my kids for how they treat me. Come on, you, you teach your kids. You teach your kids how to treat you. Boy, y'all got quiet up in this church. No more blaming, no more blaming everybody else around me. No more blaming my boss for my poor performance. No more blaming my spouse for my lack of happiness. Come on, we could go off there. We could preach a whole series on that right there and help your marriage out today. No more blaming the person that God gave you for you not being happy. Happiness is a choice. And we get in trouble a lot of times because we put the responsibility and the expectation of making me happy on everybody else around me. <laughs> well, I, well, the reason I'm not happy is because I don't like the people I work with. Well, the reason I'm not happy is because I think I missed it and I married the wrong person. 
Well, the reason I'm not happy is because my kids are going through that phase right now, and they're really disrespectful. But, you know, so it's really their fault that I'm not happy. Come on, your happiness is your responsibility. The joy you experience in your life is your responsibility. And we've got to stop putting it off on other people around us. No more blaming them for my lack of happiness. No more blaming the government for the state of our country. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. No more passing the buck because the buck stops here. True leadership bears the cost of responsibility, especially when the stakes are high. No matter what you're leading, you're leading your family, you're leading your job, you're leading in this church, you're leading wherever you are in your life. Come on, leadership is influence. You got influence in somebody's life, you're leading. Somebody's looking at you thinking, boy, I wish I was them, or man, I wish I could do it like them, or whatever. You got influence in somebody's life, then you're a leader. And leadership bears the cost of responsibility, especially when the stakes are high. And isn't this exactly what Jesus did for us? Isn't it exactly what Jesus did for you and me? It's notable when a person takes responsibility for their own mistakes without trying to make excuses for them. But here's, here's something even better. But for someone to take on a responsibility truly not their own, to rescue the one who rightfully deserves the punishment is exceptional. And is this not what Jesus did for you and for me? He took on the responsibility that really wasn't his. We were the ones that were, were lost. We were the ones that were sinners. We were the one Christ died for you and me, even though you were still a sinner. You didn't know him. He died for you just in case you would make the decision to give your life to him and to live for him. It's incredible what Jesus did for you and me. And I don't know how many of you have seen the movie. Has anybody seen the movie Jurassic World, the newest newest edition? Come on, I like Jurassic Park was good. The Lost World was uh, it was good. Jurassic Park 3, not so much. I don't know if you've seen them all. I really wasn't a huge fan of that one. But Jurassic World, when it came out, I was like, yeah, I got to see this one on the big screen, in the theater, with the popcorn. You know, come on. You know when you walk into the movie theater and you smell the popcorn, that's that's all a marketing ploy right there. <laughs> you walk in and they got it all, you know, and now they got the liquid butter machines that you go over there and put as much butter as you want on it. And it's, oh, it's heavenly. That's what, it's gonna. it's great. But, I want to show you a clip from this movie that, that I believe demonstrates what Jesus has done for us and what he's calling us to do for other people. So check out this clip really quick.
Now, I don't know about you, but that would freak me smooth out. I love this clip in this movie because the guy who falls over the railing into the cage with the raptors, he's the one that's in danger. And then the guy who steps in is the one who's trained them and knows them and has worked with them and has been with them and knows how to handle them, steps into the cage just so this one person won't be eaten up by raptors. Now, is that not a perfect picture of what Jesus did for you and me? That when we were the ones who deserved the punishment, and we were the ones who were, you know, doing things our own way, and living life our own way, and I know best, and and I know, you know, I, you know, I'm going to help God out sometimes. Come on, we try to help God out a lot of times. God's not working quick enough on this situation. We try to help him out. And even though God knew that we would do all that stuff and that you would be where you are today, you would be, have gone through everything that you've gone through up to this point, Jesus came and gave his life for us so that we, he took responsibility for us. I love what Paul writes in his second letter that he was writing to the Christians in Corinth. And this is what he says. That it is all from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross. And he has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ. God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against him. Come on, can I get an amen there? God has trusted us with the message that people may be brought back to him. So we are Christ's official messengers. It is as if God were making his appeal through us. Here is what Christ wants us to beg you to do. Come back to God. Christ didn't have any sin, but God made him become sin for us so we can be made right with God because of what Christ has done for us. In essence, this is what this is what. I want you to get today that what Adam lost because he didn't take responsibility, Jesus fixed because he took responsibility for us. What Adam lost because of his lack of taking responsibility, blaming others, blaming God, not taking responsibility for his relationship, or anything. What Adam lost by not taking responsibility, Jesus fixed it by taking responsibility for everybody. All of your sins, past, present, future, everything you'll ever do in your life, Jesus came and he fixed it all by taking responsibility for every person. And now we have the challenge to take on responsibility as Jesus did for us. And I want to challenge you really quick with three things, and then we're going to close today. Three things as you leave that I want to challenge you with. Number one, take responsibility for you. Take responsibility for you. We have to learn to take responsibility for our actions and our decisions. Sometimes sometimes the devil didn't get you where you are. You did. 
Sometimes the enemy didn't coerce things together and make everything, you know, happen a certain way so that you're in the position you're in. Sometimes we just made bad choices. Come on, I'm, I'm preaching to myself too. Sometimes we just made bad choices. And we got to take responsibility for the bad choices and decisions that we made. Take responsibility for our actions so that we can move forward into what God has for us next. Because some of us are so stuck on what we're, what we're in or what we've done in the past. And we're so stuck on blaming the enemy. And well, the enemy just keeps on attacking. And the enemy just keeps on doing this. And I believe he is. But sometimes you just made a bad choice. And when we take responsibility for our bad decisions and take responsibility for myself, then I can move forward. Don't blame others for the decisions you're making. Make the shift and take responsibility for yourself. Here's number two. Take responsibility for your family. I love when Joshua said this, and I'm paraphrasing, and this is the Gabe translation right here. But basically he says, you guys can do whatever you want to do. But as for me and my family, come on, you know this. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. You can do, you know, sometimes you just got to say, you know what, everybody else can just do whatever they're going to do. But as for me and my spouse and my kids and my grandkids and my parents and the people that I have influence in their life, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to lead them in that direction. And I'm going to take responsibility for doing it. I'm taking responsibility. Don't blame your spouse for not coming to church. Make the shift and take responsibility to pray for them daily. Don't blame your kids for not living right. Make the shift and take responsibility for teaching them the right way. Model this for your spouse and for your kids, for your family. Model it. Show them. Come on, you know this. You pay attention more to what people do than what they say. Somebody can tell you something and then do something different, and which one do you believe? What they did. Model it. Lead in this way. I'm taking responsibility for my family, and I'm going to lead my family. And here's number three. Take responsibility for your community. you got to take responsibility for you. Take responsibility for your family. And we got to take responsibility for our community. Now, this is, this is huge, and I don't want you to miss this, okay? So I'm going to let you finish writing that down, for those of you that are writing it down. This, 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 is, this is so, I'm so passionate about this. I, uh, this, is, this is so the essence and the core of what I believe we're called to do here as a church and in this community and as people and our jobs and all this. So what if, instead of talking bad about our community and city, we decided to take responsibility for our community and our city. And we could take this to the next level and talk about our country and talk about the world and all this stuff, but we're just going to stay here for today. What if instead of talking bad about everything that's going on, what if instead of bringing up all the time what we don't like, what we don't care for, well, if I was there, I wouldn't do that. Well, if I was the boss, I wouldn't do that. Well, if I was the leader, I wouldn't do that. Well, I can't believe that. Well, can you believe that? Well, did you see what, did you, and we talk, we, we, we talk bad about, and we talk negatively about all this stuff. Can I just tell you something? I don't think that's changing anything. I don't think that talking about it is going to change anything. But what if you took responsibility for your community? What if you took ownership of your community 
in your city. See, here's it, when I'm a fan at the game. For all you sports fans, I'm a sports. Fan, I'm a huge sports fan. So if you didn't know that about me, you know it now. When I'm a fan at a game, I have very little influence over the outcome. <laughs> but when I'm playing, I can make the decisions that can change the outcome. I don't think y'all heard me. <laughs> I'm going to go to this side over here. When I'm just a fan <laughs> watching the game, I have very little influence over the outcome of the game. But when I'm playing in the game, I can make the decisions on my part and I can rally some people around me that can change the outcome of the game. Can I tell you, there's enough people sitting in this room right now that if we all rallied together and decided, you know what, we're going to take some responsibility for what's going on and we're going to begin to pray and we're going to begin to take steps and we're going to rally around, rally some people around us that we can change the outcome. We can change the outcome and we can change the future of this community and of this city. And it can even go farther beyond that. See, I think we underestimate. I think we underestimate the power that we have through Jesus to change things. We underestimate, I'm over my time, and I hope, I hope that's okay with y'all. We underestimate the, t- the, the power that we have through Jesus to make a difference and make an impact in people's lives, at our workplace, in our city, in our neighborhood, in our state, in our country, because too many times we're focused on talking about all the negative instead of taking responsibility and doing what we can do to make the difference. we got to make the shift. Make the shift. When we take responsibility for something, we'll do almost anything to make sure it turns out the way it's supposed to turn out. You've been, you've been over something, and you're responsible, and somebody's coming back to check on you. <laughs> and you'll do almost anything you can do to make sure that this is the way that it's supposed to be when this person gets back because I'm responsible for the outcome. I'm responsible for what's going on. And when I'm responsible for what's going on, I'll do almost anything to make sure that it turns out the way that it's supposed to turn out. And this is, I don't know if you know this or not, many of you probably don't, but this is why here at Impact Church, we don't necessarily stress as much membership as we do responsibility. And here's the reason why. And when I say this, you're going to get it. And maybe you've never thought about it this way. Members have rights. But when you are responsible for something, when you own something, you have a responsibility. When you're a member, come on, when you're a member of the country club... I have the right to be here. I have the right to be on this golf course. I have the right, I have the right to be in this swimming pool right now because I pay my dues and I'm a member. I have the right. But when you own it, you get to do all the maintenance. You get to make sure that everybody that's in there is who's supposed to be in there. You get to promote it. 
you talk about it, you want more people there, you take responsibility for what you see ownership in. Members have rights. Owners have responsibility. And that's why we don't put, now, we, we take you through, we have a thing called Next Steps that we take you through, and we talk about the vision, and we talk about all of that stuff, and, and a lot of you in this room have been through that. And we, we do see value in church membership, but we don't emphasize church membership a whole lot because I think we get the wrong idea. And it's more about responsibility than it is about having the right to do something. I'm responsible. <laughs> this is, man, this is my spot. This is my area. Bless God, I'm at the front door, and this is my spot. And I'm responsible for this spot, and I'm going to do this spot with excellence, and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do with excellence, and I'm going to just go above and beyond to make sure that everybody feels welcome when they come into church. Come on, it's because you have a responsibility. It's because you've taken ownership in what you are doing. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. I want you to think just for a moment what could happen if you took, come on, just, just visualize. I don't know if you need to close your eyes, but just imagine if you, if you stepped up and you took responsibility for your family, what could change in your family dynamic? What could change if you took responsibility for your marriage, you took responsibility for raising your kids on a different level? You said, you know what? This is, these are the people that God has entrusted to me while I am here. And I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. I'm going to be responsible for what happens. What could happen if you took responsibility for your community? I love what Craig Rochelle, some of you may know him, some of you may not, but I love what he says over and over and over again. He says, you can make excuses or you can make a difference, but you can't make both. You can make excuses or you can make a difference. Let me put it this way. You can, you can continue to blame or you can take responsibility, but you can't do both. And responsibility is what will make the difference. So we need to learn as we close, and we're going to sing a song here in a minute. Will you just stand? As we, as we close, we need to realize we need to learn from what Adam did. Because Adam had the opportunity to take responsibility, and we all know how that turned out. Jesus came and he fixed all of that by taking responsibility for all of us, but I believe he's calling us to take responsibility in some areas in our lives. He's calling us to be responsible for ourselves, for our family, and for our community and our city. God, I thank you right now for your word. I thank you for what you have spoken to us today. Lord, I pray that it would not be just words. But, Lord, that we would leave here today with a new sense of responsibility that we have for ourselves, for our relationships, for our family, our marriage, our kids, our community, our jobs, our workplaces, our city. And, God, that we would see it in a different light. That we would see it in a different light. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now in this moment, I want to invite our prayer team to come up. I just want to give you the opportunity right where you are. Maybe you're here today and you've never, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you, you've, been, you know, you, you've, you've just been trying to live life your way. 
And today, you're at the point right now, and you just feel it in your heart and in your spirit right now. You know that today is the day I need to give my life to him. I need to quit doing things my way. I need to quit trying. It's not about trying harder. There's something miraculous that happens when we give our life to Jesus and how he has a way of working all things together for our good. Everything you've been through, everything you're going through right now, and everything you'll go through in the future, he has a way of working it all together for our good. And so I want to invite you today, just as a, as a congregation today, just in honor of those that are making this decision for the first time, let's all pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for dying for me. But I thank you that you didn't stay in the grave. You rose from the dead so that I could have life. And I want the fullest life that I could possibly have. So I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I receive your forgiveness today. Live inside of me. And help me to live for you from this day forward. Thank you for saving me. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we clap our hands for those that made that decision for the first time today? What a great day. We're going to sing one final worship song. And I just encourage you, if you need prayer for anything in your life, we have some people down at the front that we want to pray with you. That's what, that's what they're here for, is to, to pray with you specifically. And so it could be anything going on in your life. We all need prayer from time to time. Everybody needs prayer. I need prayer. So we want to encourage you, if you need prayer for anything, that you're welcome. As we begin to sing this last song, you can come down for prayer. We want to pray with you today. If you're going to stay at your seat, let's just... let's. Worship the Lord one final time before we leave today. Amen. God, I pray right now that you would draw every person who needs prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.